0: to the Shields Outdoors podcast, your source for information on hunting, fishing, and all of your outdoor passions. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Shields Outdoors podcast. We have in studio Shields fishing expert Jaden Thomas from the Fargo store. In the last segment, we had Jaden cover some night fishing tactics and how that can be an excellent way to target big walleye. Uh, let's switch gears a little bit. I want to talk about uh, some some day fishing tactics. Now, in particular, I'd like to talk jigging wraps. <laughs> so I <laughs> see a big smile on your face right now. I know that's one of your baits of choice. So um, I I do a lot of fishing in a lake that's fairly good size. A lot of great structure. You've got your shallows. You've got your breaks. You've got your offshore humps. Just a just a great place to target walleye different ways. And I, I know the lake that I fish quite a bit, you know, people have success with jigging wraps and I just can't seem to quite figure it out. You know, like I've, I've watched a lot of YouTube videos, you know, kind of learned about the tactics and things like that. But, um, let's talk about how you are successful with jigging wraps. Sweet.
1: I love talking about this, this rip, rip, this rip jigging style has caught on the last like five to seven years. My favorite way to catch walleyes. Uh, jigging wraps my favorite. I love throwing shiver minnows as well. Uh, like throwing like baits like ripping wraps or even big plastics on paddle tails. Anything that involves this rip jigging, I love doing because one, it targets usually some bigger fish in the system because you're fishing so aggressive. Two, uh, you can trigger bites even when fish are kind of neutral, not really ma- maybe willing to chase because it's an instinctual reaction. And three, you can stack fish up really quick. I mean, with these ta- this tactic, especially when you're pitching a jigging wrap, you can literally pick apart a part of school fish by fish. Um, We're coming to the time of year where this it really starts popping off. You know the water. I was just out this last week in that high sixties, low seventies. So this is that prime water temp for walleyes when their their metabolism kicks up. So we're in the chase. We're trying to eat a lot as much as they can. So you're kind of playing right into the hand of you know jig wrapping or rip jigging. You're fishing aggressive. You're moving baits quick. You're covering water fast. You're just trying to put your baits in front of as many fish as possible. When it comes to jigging wrap fishing. So it's really versatile. You can do it anywhere. Uh, Shallow, deep, you know, I pitch them, vertical jig them. You can slow troll them and pop them off the bottom.
0: Okay, so what I I mean, what I find really interesting about jigging wraps and what you mentioned is the versatility. So to me, when, when I'm thinking about tying on a jigging wrap, I think, okay, fish are really aggressive, so they're willing to hit it right now. So you touched on that you're willing to put on a jigging wrap at any time. So let's talk post front. Fishing, you know, the fish are usually pretty finicky. I mean, light biters. You're still not hesitant to throw on a jigging wrap at that point in time. Oh, absolutely not, because uh, you're triggering strikes. I mean, these fish, they have
1: to, they almost have to hit it. How this bait works when you throw it out and you pop it off the bottom? It, it you're doing like a two, three foot sweep with your rod every couple seconds. So you're popping this bait. It's darting off in every random direction. You don't know where it's going and you let it fall on a slack line, and it darts in a completely different direction, just dies, and that's when most of your hits are gonna come, is on the fall. Um, but these fish, I mean, they see it, and the first thing they see is just a dying bait fish. Even that fish isn't necessarily hungry and in a feeding mood, its instinct is to hit it. You miss. You actually miss a lot of fish, not because you maybe didn't get the greatest hook set, just because they're, just, they're only swiping at it. They're just taking instinctual quick swipe, so that bait's only in their mouth for a second or two before they spit it back out. So you really don't got much time to get the hooks into them. A lot of these times, how you're working this bait, you don't feel a bite. Uh, All your bites, like I said, are gonna come in uh, pretty much one of two ways, either on the fall when it's on a slack line, or you go to rip it off the bottom and that fish has already inhaled it or it's pinned it to the bottom. So very rarely do you feel the hit, when you do though, it's it's monstrous. I mean, even the a little twelve inch, you'll feel like a thirty inch just grabbed and wants mm-hmm. to rip the rod out of your hand. Which and vice versa, then, when a big fish actually comes along and smokes it, it's you usually know when you got to fish a pretty good size. Right yeah, you, you have to be up. ready yeah. for
0: it. So let's talk a little bit about jigging cadence. Like, how hard do you rip it, and do you try and make sure that you know you don't have a ton of slack in your line? Is it always like? A little bit tight or how, how does that work for you and your jigging style
1: yeah there's a so I've played around with this for a few years now I've had a lot of success with it I've found there's about three different cadences I like to use one is just a straight pop uh, cast it out another thing with this too I found you don't want to you, you can bomb these baits a mile like a number nine jigging wrap almost weighs an ounce so you're casting it with the wind I mean you I've almost been spooled sometimes you can throw these baits so far what I found is sometimes that can actually work against you. I don't like making very big casts if I don't have to, because um, usually when you're making these big casts, you can be working pretty deep water. So this works shallow to deep, but my favorite zone to work these baits is anything deeper than 15 feet of water, 15 to 35. Is where I've had best luck with it. But When you're making such big casts, deep water, you have a lot of line out there. There's a lot of distance between you and the fish. Even when using a no stretch line, like a like braid like I like to use, and a medium, medium light with an extra fast tip, Even though you have a lot of quick reaction and no stretch, that's a lot of distance between you and, you know, let's say you got a five pound wall on the other end. um, And you have very small hooks on these lures. These are originally ice fishing lures. So the hooks on them are very small. You have a small one off the front, small off the back, and only like a number eight size treble hook on the bottom. So you're not getting a whole lot of the, you're not getting a big piece of this fish's mouth when you do get the hooks into them. So on such a long cast, you're very, it's even harder to get those little tiny trebles into the meat of, you know, a, a big walleye. A big walleye gets a pretty thick mouth when it gets to considerable size. Even the smaller ones, you know, the top of the walleye's mouth is all bone. It's very tough, so it's hard to drive those hooks in from such a long distance. So really, I only just like to lob it out there, maybe, you know, 20, 30 yards the most I like to cast it out. Um, and then for my cadence, I like to start using just a single pop, just you know, pop it off the bottom really hard, about three foot sweep, then just drop my rod tip back to probably about, nine, ten, about 10 o'clock and just let it fall on the slack line and let it crash bottom. That bait just doing a quick hard hop off the bottom, darting up, and on the slack line just darts off in a different direction, nose down into the dirt.
0: Mm-hmm. So uh, hard, how hard do you let it fall? Do you, do you assist the fall to slow it down or do you just let it drop? It depends. If the fish are really chomping, like if I'm seeing fish really
1: high off the bottom when I'm driving around, that's the other thing with this. I don't fish this presentation until I mark fish. I cruise around with my boat about two to four miles an hour. I'm using my side and I'm using my uh, down scan, I'm using my sonar, trying to mark fish. I don't stop and cast this bait until I mark fish. It's great for picking a parter spot, but pitching these lures, you don't necessarily cover a lot of water. And that's kind of with any presentation in, in general, fishing takes time. So really, uh, I try to make sure I'm always on fish before I start fishing with any presentation. But it's really key with this because, it's said, it's great for picking apart a piece of structure. You can pick apart a school fish by fish, but you're not covering a big, a big swath of water with this. Does that make sense?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. So when, you, when you're covering water, do you most of the time not have a lure in the water? Or do you like to do things like pull a spinner for a decent amount of time? Like, what, what do you like to do no, there?
1: Really, how I start each of my days on the water is I don't uh, drop a lure until I mark fish, no matter what I'm doing. Even if, let's say, I'm covering a big flat, I will drive around... And let's say I'm seeing a fish every here and there. That's where I kind of decide, all right, I probably don't want to throw a jig and wrap. I like to save that for when I'm finding schools of fish, like I said, so I can pick them apart. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's a single big individual fish, then I'll bomb a jig and wrap or a shiver biome, him, you know, trying to trigger that strike, trying to catch that one big fish. But if I'm seeing just, a, just scattered nice marks throughout a flat, that's where then I'll change it up and maybe I'll start trolling just to cover more water, get my bait in front of more fish. Where I, sh- where I love this jigging wrap, this rip jigging presentation, is if I'm, cover- I'm covering water, driving around, and I'm marking pods of fish, like you know three, four, five, six of six individual fish in a school, in an area. That's where I'll stop then, drop my trolling motor, and then spot lock, and then I'll start pitching where those fish are. So really how I go about my plan of attack is I, drop- I pull up on a spot, and usually right away I'll drop my trolling motor. That way it's ready. I got it on and ready, I'll have my remote in my hand. Then I'll start cruising around two to four miles an hour, looking for fish. As soon as I see them, I'll hit a waypoint, I'll hit spot lock immediately, let my boat adjust I'll see where I am in conjunction with those fish and I'll just start pitching directly at them. That's the nice thing about electronics these days, the GPS side imaging, I mean, there's nowhere left for these fish to hide. You know, you figure out your electronics, you're going to be able to uh, put yourself on a lot of fish pretty quick and pretty easy. Mm-hmm. But Going back in the cadence then, once I found those fish, like I said, I like to start with an individual pop. Uh, You asked how I let it fall, that'll really depend on the fish's moves, like I said, if I'm seeing these fish are like sitting a foot or two off the bottom, those are active feeding fish, those fish are willing to chase a bit more, that's where I'll let it just go on a completely slack line, just let it just go crazy, hit the bottom, dart off in different directions. Um, the The other thing I'll do then is let's say vice versa, let's say I'm not getting strikes, or maybe I'm getting some light hits, they're not crazy crashing it, or I'm seeing fish a bit tighter to the bottom. That's where then I'll maybe keep it on a tonner line. One, I have a bit better control, I have a bit better feel for when those fish hit it. Two, it glides off, not necessarily in just a, such a random direction, but it might fall just a bit more forward, a bit more slowly. It's giving that fish a bit more time to hit it. Because that said, most of your bites are gonna come on the fall. So the mo- longer you can get that bait to fall, the more time that fish has a chance to react to it and hit it. Um, so, the other cadence I would really like to do is uh, I call it the double pop. It's like a walk the dog action almost in bass fishing. You know, you see guys when they're throwing topwater lures, they do that kind of uh, double twitch, get it walking a V pattern. When I cast this out, uh, I'll pop it up. Then, before it has a chance to crash, uh, I'll drop my rod tip just an inch and then pop it up again. So, it looks like a, uh, that, when that jigging wrap pops off the bottom, it pops up, dives nose first, just a second, then pops even higher. So that gets this bait now probably five six feet off the bottom. This works I found really well in clear water where you can call fish in from distance. These fish can see really far. Mm-hmm. Um, also, when these fish are super aggressive. I've had these fish hit it when that bait I know I know that bait set is like six feet off the bottom. And this I've watching. I'm big on watching my line. I'm doing this too. I'm using a high vis like a Fireline Crystal, Fireline Ultra Eight, and like a high vis green or crystal. I'm watching, this, I'm watching my line, so when I know that bait's six feet off the bottom, I've seen it where that bait's only dropped like two inches, all of a sudden my line just stops. You know, I set the hook, and boom, I got a four-pound walleye flopping on my live well now. Um, these fish... I think people underestimate walleye as a predator overall because we've been so conditioned to, you know, live baits, got to move slowly, you know, feel the tick, let them eat it, feed it. Uh, end of the day, you open a walleye's mouth, there's teeth in there for a reason. These these are apex predators. They're, they they mm. will hunt, they will chase baits down. I think I've seen the last few years, we've really expanded the world of walleye to understand that. You know, look at the new baits that are coming out, the new techniques, this rip jigging. but. uh, I love that double pump because you get that bait so high up and you just get those fish so charged up. It's amazing when you see those fish come off the bottom, you know, three, four feet and just smack your lure. It's such a great feeling.
0: Yeah. I mean, I find that fascinating, just the variety of different ways that you can fish while I, you know, you touched on it, like in the past, a lot of times it'd be, you know, pulling spinners, jigging, be finesse these fish, but they are predators They're They have those big teeth for a reason. And it's amazing how they'll chase these baits. And and I've noticed like, I I won't be catching walleye for a while. And then, you know, like I'll go in shallow and I'll try and target a different fish, like a bass or a pike. And then all of a sudden I'm throwing on a a daredevil and I catch a four pound walleye on a daredevil. It's just, it's wild.
1: Yeah, we're never done learning. That's what I love about fishing is there's always something new to learn. There's always gonna be a new technique, new bait that comes out that gets it done in a way that what we had before doesn't. And I grew, you know, I grew up, Kind of traditional walleye fishing. First walleye I caught was on a slip bobber, you know. Next, my second walleye I caught was on a Lindy rig, and that's all I knew growing up. So I was about probably 12, 13 years old. Um, I started going to Devil's Lake a lot with my grandpa, um, and if anyone's fished Devil's Lake, you know this was back, you know, 05 to 2013 during the flood years. I mean, you were you were basically bass fishing for walleyes. For bass fishing for walleye was a thing. You know, we were throwing jigs and plastic up in the trees and three feet of water. We were casting rattle traps through timber. You know, we were pulling crankbaits in nine feet of water um at that time though just i think a lot of people didn't realize this is applicable to a lot of different places where walleye swim i think people forget and i'm a victim of it too we get so conditioned to how we've caught fish in the past and how it's worked in the past we forget that a walleye is a walleye pretty much anywhere it swims mm-hmm. you know if something works here let it be the great lakes or you know the reservoirs of the dakotas or the clear lakes of minnesota If you found a way to catch them there, nine times out of ten, you bring that to somewhere completely different. If you find the fish set up in a similar way, they're probably going to react the same way as those fish that you originally caught did.
0: Yep, that's a great point. I mean, like, we do a lot of fishing here in central Minnesota, but all of these tips and tactics are applicable anywhere where a walleye lives. Mm -hmm. Alright, we've had a ton of great information here about tactics, styles, um, what we haven't touched on is your rod and reel selection, can you, uh, can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, so like I said, I've been doing this for quite a while now, and I've tried a lot of different setups uh, as far as rods and reels go, lengths, action, different gear ratios. I've really found uh, what's worked best for me. Um, has been i like a longer rod for this typically i like anything from six six to seven foot specifically what i've been using lately it's been two different rods it's been the uh, all both shields walleye series it's been the 610 medium light extra fast just came out this year and then the 69 medium extra fast um, i like these two rods for two different reasons uh, what they both have in common they have very quick tips so they're both extra fast action Doing this, this this is a presentation that can really take a toll on your body. I mean you're said you're pumping that rod nonstop, three, four feet at a time, all day long. I mean I've done this I've done this for three straight days of pre-fish for a tournament, two straight days of tournament fishing. And when I was done, I felt like I just got done pitching seven straight games for nine innings of the World Series. <laughs> I mean my right arm is ready to fall off. So you gotta use the equipment's gonna make it easiest on you. And I found is you gotta have a rod that loads up really quick. One, because when you pump that rod, just let the tip do that action. Let the let pump your rod so your rod loads up, and let that extra fast tip just spring right back to uh, to attention. It'll pop that jigger knot basically for you.
0: Yep, and that helps with the slack line too. Exactly, you, know, you just have less slack, so you have more opportunity for a better hook set.
1: Exactly, and that's also why I like a longer rod is you can do bigger sweeps with less movement. A seven foot rod, it takes a lot more less movement to move a bait three feet than it would a six foot rod. Um, The third part of it that goes into when choosing a rod, I usually lean towards something that's really soft. Like you heard me say, I like a medium light. A lot of guys might think that's a little underpowered, you know, for all this rip jigging. Like I said, you know, number nine jigging up weighs an ounce. Mm -hmm. But the reason I like a medium light, your hookup ratio is gonna be so much better. Especially, I like to use braid. I know a lot of guys will say you gotta use mono because you do lose a lot of fish uh, doing this technique. Like I talked about earlier, these baits have very small hooks on them. And you're dealing with a lot of times very big walleyes you got a lot of pressure on those little hooks so but and that's where using mono you have some stretch can help you land a lot more fish the flip side of that is you don't have as much sensitivity now we'll have guys tell you this isn't a very like bite detection type of fishing you don't need that sensitivity i like that sensitivity because with these baits crashing the bottom it helps me tell me a lot about the environment i'm fishing i can tell if i'm hitting mud if i'm hitting sand if I'm hitting rocks. And rocks a lot of times i'm fishing this bait around transitions. So I like to know when I'm coming in from that transition, when I'm coming in from mud to sand to rock, cause that's a lot of times those fish are gonna be laying. I know as soon as I start feeling my jigging wrap going from a nice soft poof in the bottom of mud to ticking sand, I know I'm in the danger zone now. I'm probably gonna get hit here in the next couple of sweeps. Mm-hmm. So that's the main reason I like to use braid. It's for the sensitivity. And also, like I said, when you're, if you're fishing very deep water and maybe you are bombing this thing out, you need that no stretch, just be able to get a chance, get those hooks into that fish.
0: Yeah, and that makes a lot of sense when you do the combination of braid and a and a lighter action yep. rod. Because that medium light you know, just like absorbs with the, it all. Yeah, with your mono, you have the ability to stretch and feel more. Mm-hmm. With braid, you know, you don't. But um, having combining it with that lighter action rod is a is a great way to do it.
1: Yeah, so nine times out of ten, I'm using that six ten medium light for. Uh, it works great for number sevens. It's a little it's a little light for a number nine jigging wrap or a number three shiverman on these out these full ounce weighing baits. That's where then I'll m- maybe shift more to that six nine medium extra fast, just to have that medium power to handle a heavier bait a little bit better. But uh, things that don't change is I'm always using braid usually 8 or 10 pound fireline ultra 8 Something's gonna cast very well be very sensitive very braid resistant um, Next thing I'm, I always use a leader you always got to use a ball bearing swivel I usually use a very small one like size 6 or 8 and I'm tying anywhere from 18 inches to a 3 foot le- uh, Leader of like 10 to 15 pound floral you want to use a really stiff floral for your leader Because uh, how erratic this bait gets I've seen it a lot where that bottom treble will come up and snag on your mm-hmm. top line. If you're using too light of a uh, leader, like a six or eight pound floral, you have no control over that bait. And that bait's always going to roll over on itself. So that's the main reason I'm using such a stiff line and instead. you're ripping this bait so aggressively, even in clear water, that floral is pretty invisible, but these fish don't care. I mean, they're so focused in on crushing that bait. They don't care if there's, they're very, very rare, rarely are they line shy.
0: Yeah. And then one thing you touched on is using that barrel swivel, which is super important because of the way that the way the action of the bait it's moving and it's twitching all over the place if you just tie it on to your braid it's going to start spinning all over the place exactly and a big thing when doing this too is when you're casting these
1: what i've noticed and uh it took me a while to figure it out as you're pumping it back you might feel like you're getting ticks like maybe a purchase hit nipping at you or maybe you feel like you're hitting bottom sooner than you should a lot of times what that is is a walleye is following it is nipping at it is swiping at it but they're missing it um so I've had fish follow very often, almost like in musky fishing. So what you gotta do, if you're pitching these jigging wraps or these shiver minnows out, whatever ripping bait you're using, when you get next to the boat, don't reel up right away. I'll spend maybe five, 10 seconds just vertical jigging it. And a lot of times you'll get hits after that fish followed all the way in, seeing that that bait move forward. Once you start vertical jigging, and give that bait a change of direction, those fish will, it'll trigger some that fish and they'll hit it. But that's where you need that barrel swivel then, because as soon as you start vertical jigging this thing, um, this bait's going to want to spin in all different kinds of directions. So if you don't have a, a barrel swivel on before your leader, your bait's just going to spin out of control and it's not going to look right to that
0: mm-hmm. fish. Yeah, if you're sitting vertical jigging and that thing's doing circles. <laughs>
1: exactly. It yeah, just, it you're not going to lo- get that bite. It doesn't look right. I mean, walleyes, they got the brain the size of a pea. We give walleyes credit too much sometimes for how smart they are. But at the end of the day, I mean, a walleye knows that no bait fish in nature swims swims in a constant circle non-stop i mean mm-hmm. that just doesn't look natural to any type of fish exactly
0: oh well that was a ton of great information jaden i really appreciate your time and uh and that's a lot of great advice so um i'm i'm pumped to try some night fishing do them tactics and uh and toss on a jigging wrap but uh, make sure that i'm scanning around finding the fish before i just toss it out so Thank you for your time, Jaden. Thanks for having me. I
1: appreciate it. I'm glad I could share it. And if I help one more person catch a fish, then that's good enough for me.
0: Perfect. All right. Thanks again. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Shields Outdoors podcast. Stay tuned for future segments and visit our social media pages. Shields Outdoors on Facebook and Instagram for daily updates.